0: Hey
1: everybody, welcome to TV Dare, episode 8, Red Dwarf USA. My name is Byron Hussey, and I am joined tonight on this um, outer space voyage by Cody Fagg.
0: Hello, hello, can you read me? Can you read me? Mayday. <laughs>
1: You're coming in loud and clear. Aye, aye, Captain. This is the kind of joke they have in Red Dwarf. It's in outer space. Oh, oh, over and out. Um, I'm also joined by James Sheaves. Howdy. Big sci-fi fan.
2: Renowned for that.
1: Co-pod host of Star Trek podcasts. So this should be right up his alley, in theory. Oh, yeah. You know it. uh, And we also have Master.
2: A very good end of time zone here.
1: I didn't understand that, but let's just keep moving. So Red Dwarf is a... a, uh, what we occasionally call in the United States a Britcom, uh, uh, a British science fiction comedy series franchise, which primarily consists of a television sitcom that aired on BBC2 between 1988 and 1999 and on Dave since 2009. This is a uh, kind of a cult hit series. What history have you fellows with the show red dwarf
2: uh well i guess i'll start uh i did used to watch it when i was younger we um had the dvds of some of the earlier seasons so i've seen those many many times and yep. then the the very later seasons as well many many times as well and then the ones in the middle i've also seen but not as much but i'm I, i'm definitely across the the dwarfing
1: that's good it was
2: a- yeah, it was what? a beloved um, show from my childhood.
1: Yeah.
0: So if if you're if you're a fan of Star Trek, you're a Trekkie. So, what are what are you as a Red Dwarf fan? I'm James.
1: <laughs> Good one. Zing. Um, Cody, have you ever seen Red Dwarf?
0: Um no. Um, in fact, so th- some of you guys follow me on Twitter. You might have seen my like. Uh, VHS movie collection so I have a couple of I think the UK series a couple tapes of that I I have not watched them yet and in fact they're (laughs) they're they're in the box to go to Goodwill
1: (laughs) oh man wow I might
0: dig I might dig them out and check them out because I and I kind of enjoyed this pilot and I'm curious about them so maybe I'll I don't know yeah well
1: Well, this is interesting because we have a sort of an outside perspective um and now somebody who's actually seen the U.S pilot without having seen the uk version so that's an interesting, yeah. Yeah, interesting no, that's, POV. That's me. yeah
0: nice nice control subject here
1: by the yeah. way that you those uh tapes you have uh they may if they're like uk specific they might not even play on your vcr
0: um i think they're the american release of the uk series okay yeah no they're they're not pal i don't think i think they're ntsc
1: yeah yeah pal is not my pal
0: I only I only have one pal tape and uh I think it's maniac cop. Yeah.
1: Uh Gumba.
2: Well, I think I think as long as it's VHS it should play.
0: No, no, it doesn't. It's a it's a completely different like the, the it's a different frame rate and a different frequency and if you put it in like a Japanese or an American VCR it'll just it won't know what to do with it.
1: Gumba, you naive fool. <laughs> Gumba, what is your history with the Red Dwarf?
2: I watched it on,
0: on YouTube.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> there we go. Very authentic. My, my experience with Red Dwarf was that I actually read the novels first. I guess I was Ooh, aware that it was... Oh, fancy,
2: aren't you? <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, but, like, I had never seen it before, and I don't know if it, w- it was on at the time. But I was recommended the novels and I read them. I very very much enjoyed them. I think I, I think I read them both. Well, there were two at the time. I read, think I read them both twice. Um, so I'd read the novels before I'd ever seen the show. So it was interesting to kind of go from the novels, which I sort of was able to, you know fill in with like really elaborate, like um, high production value science fiction elements in my own imagination to the, um, kind of, you know, uh, bargain basement budget, um, <laughs> uh-huh. actual like TV show. Um, I was also able to sort of cast the show with like famous actors in my imagination. So I had like, um, Hugh Grant, uh, playing Rimmer for some reason. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't remember who I had as a Lister. Uh, who, I don't...
2: who did you have as the cat?
1: <laughs> I I think I might have had him as some like a little bit less human looking, like maybe like a furry.
0: Yeah, we can we can get into that. But I was disappointed that there weren't on either of these pilots. There's no ears. There's no fur. Whiskers. <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, they're... they're not.
0: They're not cleaning themselves with their tongue at any point.
1: The uh, the UK one does a little bit of a. Uh little bit more justice but not i mean he still looks like basically just a human being um so
0: the yeah, guy... we'll, we'll talk about that later because i've got feelings about that
1: okay so why don't we start by just since the uk series came first sort of laying out the groundwork of what that sort of template is and then we can sort of roll into how that came to be the um two u.s pilots um so basically the the premise is we have a uh, kind of a schlub guy named uh Dave Lister, who um gets put in he works on a uh, big uh space freighter ship, right? Called the Red Can Dwarf. Uh
2: huh. What Can I, Gumba? something here? Uh huh. Like uh it starts out well with, you know, um Dave Lister being in the original, a black guy.
1: Well, uh, whoa. Yeah. Yes. Um he's And then being I, and
2: then being I, whitewashed.
1: Well, yeah, I mean we're we're I'm sort of level setting setting here with the, <laughs> going over the first. I think it is worth mentioning that yeah, Dave Dave Lister, I think he's I think he's uh biracial. Um
2: yeah, I'll actually confess that uh, when I watched it in my youth, I, I didn't realize that he wasn't white. That's how kind of you know he's he's not very dark skinned. But yeah, yeah. It, it it is an important part of kind of um, Craig Charles's identity uh, as an actor, uh, the whole like race thing. And he w- he was he was a poet before um, being on Red Dwarf, I think. So he he did a lot of like politically charged poetry. Really? Um so yeah the race thing is actually kind of important for him but I I never noticed it as as yeah. a child.
1: Yeah I I um you don't see color. <laughs> right. <Yeah.
0: laughs> that's
1: that's your your luxury as a white man. Um So yeah Dave Lister he's played by Craig Charles who's yeah I don't I don't know if he's uh what I don't I don't care to speculate as to specifically what his uh, exact ethnic Background is other than that he is, I believe, uh, m- mixed race, uh, and we also have uh, a character named um, Arnold 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 Rimmer Arnold Rimmer Arnold Rimmer, mm-hmm. and he's just kind of a kind of a prick, um, and he is uh, killed when there's a radiation leak um so he comes back as a hologram this is necessary should i be doing this yeah no yeah because this because this will work for the u.s one too right
2: right yeah i mean it's it's like a very um uh close retread of of the ground of the original
1: yeah they're they're using like the same literally the same jokes
2: yeah in some cases
1: um So basically, uh, Lister joins the crew of the ship. Uh, he smuggles, he smuggles like pregnant cat on board. So he gets punished and put into suspended animation. And then there's a radiation leak and everybody dies. And, um, the, uh, computer of the ship wakes him up three million years later. And, um, he's all alone in space. And, um... For some reason, brings back uh, Ar- Arnold Rimmer as a hologram, and it turns out that his cat evolved um, into like a humanoid race of cat people. Mm-hmm. They are later joined by a robot named Crichton, um, yeah, who is like a butler initially, but then he's just like a ordinary robot, uh, played by Robert Lewin? Lewin? Llewellyn, Llewellyn. Uh who plays Rimmer?
2: Uh Chris Barry.
1: Chris Barry. Also famous for being in Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and who plays the cat?
2: Uh Danny John Jules, who was a dancer prior to being on the show.
1: Yeah, and Danny John Jules is uh black. I didn't mean to say yep. a black. It was more like uh, comma black. <laughs>
2: We're really nailing the race commentary on this one.
1: It's a good thing we have so many people of color on the panel here. Mm. We'd really be untoward otherwise. Uh, So did I successfully sort of level set Red Dwarf as a concept?
2: Hey, sure. I think um, one thing uh, that is good to point out is that Crichton is not introduced, uh, in, in the first season of the British show, because, uh, one of the creators, I think Rob Grant uh, out of the, the two really was opposed to having a robot be a part of the cast because it's, you know, it's just like a sci-fi cliche. And, um, but you know, eventually they, they, you know, caved in and had a robot and he, you know, beloved part of the show and such so beloved in fact that they got said robot to um be in this US pilot.
1: Yeah. So that was one of the major kind of tropes of Red Dwarf is that even though it was set in a spaceship in space they wanted to avoid it being like too science fictiony, so like aliens don't exist. There are no aliens through the entire series. Um and basically it's like i think they tried to make it like what it would really be like other than the cat which is a little fanciful but otherwise it's sort of like you're just stuck in space and nothing is happening forever um that obviously uh you know doesn't really hold because you have to fill a show with things so you get a robot you get um a lot of mutants pop up through the series um
2: and cyborgs, and a lot of um, alternate dimensions with you know characters popping up from those dimensions who yeah. we met in other dimensions.
1: Didn't we also even get like a um, robotic manifestation of death, or am I remember thinking something else? Something else entirely, like a robot? Uh, but like,
2: familiar, familiar. I think death <laughs> appears in the season eight finale, uh, but I think he's just an apparition, like a a, a hallucination. Okay on by like
1: Oxygen starvation I think you remembering Like there was like a robot And he was like Immortal and Lived through the in- Through like The universe many Did times have,
2: like uh, Yeah maybe Did he have like uh, Some kind of uh, Glove A glove I, I remember I remember There was some kind of glove That had uh, That was like a weapon Or something That could disintegrate The people
1: Yeah That sounds right When you touch them Sounds pretty badass like to be Thanos. honest. Yeah. Like the Mad Titan Thanos. That's how it's I like, say
0: it. Uh, it's um, like and David, David Carradine in Future Force.
1: Yeah. <laughs> David Carradine or the Immortal Iron Fist. So um yeah. Red Dwarf was on for I think around four or five seasons, right, before they decided to make a U.S. pilot? Yep. So does anyone know what the sort of the original impetus was for that, other than that it was successful in the U.K., so why not give it a shot, Mm. U.S.?
2: Um, I did watch the documentary, so I should know, but um, I I think uh, they had, like, a U.S. showrunner who was interested and... Um, Doug Naylor uh, who I think by this point was the only remaining co-creator just went over and tried to make it happen.
1: Right. So basically and this is not a unique premise. This happens all the time. There are successful UK shows um, very successful so they... Basically, um, try to remake them. For most famously, the uh, the Office was, I think, the most successful example of that. Mm-hmm. You've got the UK Office, you've got the US Office. US Office ran for, I think, what twelve seasons or something ridiculous like that.
2: Yeah, like ten well, times as many as the um, not, as the original. Not just not just British TV series. I mean, Power Rangers, for example. Based on the Japanese
1: one, yeah, it's a little bit different, but um, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, uh, like they actually literally used the footage from the Japanese one, and yeah. like intercut like teenagers. But um... I
0: think it's I think it's sort of like uh, rebooting a movie franchise. It's you don't have to figure out how to come up with a concept; you're just figuring out how to implement it and localize it.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. in that localization or... process.
2: Or, or like set it in a in a concurrent setting.
1: Yes. Yeah, uh, was... <laughs> kind of you know,
2: like or, or, like, or, like or, no, or, 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 contemporary. I mean.
1: So it's like there's like a UK office and a US office, and they're in the same universe.
2: No, I mean like uh, like. Uh, if you, if you if you like take an older series, yeah, that's oh, yeah. set in the seventies. Oh, I see what you're and make saying. It, yeah, but set it, do the same thing but set it in the in the in the current time.
1: Well, they yeah. say that the past is a foreign country, so
0: I've never heard that. It's <laughs> I've never heard anyone say
1: that. You know, Google it, and you'll. I'm you'll not feel going it, to do that. You'll feel like a like a horse's ass. <laughs> okay um so so yeah it's always a little bit hokey when they try to do this because like you can you can like if you if you've seen both series you can sort of see like the seams where they were like well you know the yanks aren't going to get this joke so how are we going to change it so these you know fucking rubes in the u.s (laughs) are going to understand what they're like fat mall gun brains like like okay i I don't have any examples of this
2: uh well i do um so red dwarf has this very kind of like um pop culture sighting one-liner sort of humor where they'll like mention someone from british pop culture and i don't know it kind of doesn't work if you don't know who they're talking about and of course i didn't know who they were talking about because i wasn't alive in the 80s in britain dates it in this u.s pilot i think the kind of one example of where they kind of trying to to translate that is where Rimmer says when asked what being dead is like he said it's like being in an amish bachelor party Mm -hmm. Um, because obviously you have the amish in the united states Yep. i don't think it's as funny
1: what was the American uh speak what is the uk equivalent
2: uh i don't know the specific line but uh rumor will often say things like oh it's like watching spanish television or you know
1: yeah yeah so that's that's a good example i think it would have been a bit a better example if you had the uh sort of the contra like the <laughs> the mm. joke that was a version of
2: you know what we, I can, can, we can edit that season one script and, and get back to you on that one yeah
1: please do Actually, we'll pause the uh, podcast when we reconvene (laughs) tomorrow.
0: I mean, it's not going to be in real time. (laughs) You got it yet? Everyone's everyone's mashing pause and then deleting this from the podcast app.
1: Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay. So, okay. Okay. So the first so we we well, let's get into the. US version here, so this is what the podcast is ostensibly about. Um, we get um, Craig Bierko as Dave Lister. mm-hmm. Uh, are you all familiar with Craig Bierko?:
2: Oh boy, am I? <laughs> Not at all. the The star of the famous uh, 1999 film "The Thirteenth Floor.":
1: Yeah, it's a good one
0: oh gosh really Ooh, (laughs) woof
1: yeah he was also in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas he played the cameraman Lacerda Mm. famously not Portuguese not Portuguese (laughs) right (laughs) Um, I think it's pretty much it right
2: Uh, that seems to be it
1: yeah that's it Um, so if you want to see more Craig Bierko um, check out the 13th floor or you can even just like look up on YouTube um, Fear and Loathing Las Vegas Lacerda and see like both of his, his scenes. Um, James, actually there was one other scene that I didn't show you where they're driving around in the desert. Um, I'm sorry that <laughs> I missed that. So importantly, um, Craig Bierko is white. So right off the bat, we have whitewashing as uh gumba sort of um alluded to earlier before i sort of shut him down um sort of as a kind of a control freak move like this is happening out of order i can't allow it we're not at that part yet i have to control everything i'm just a maniac Um, so now we've gotten to that part so it's okay all's right with the universe this is too meta
2: I found the line.
1: Okay, what is it?
2: Lister, what's it feel like, Rimmer? Death? It's like being on holiday with a group of Germans.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I don't know. Like, I, I don't I mean, think I don't think that makes any sense either. Like, uh, no,
2: I mean, I am German, and
1: uh, it's funny. Probably, it's it's like funny can, wording.
2: Can, no, no, I mean, you can probably simulate that experience being on the podcast
1: right it's like i'm dead yes yeah
2: so you should so you should the the big the big mystery is solved
1: i think we should just let the mystery be like the uh theme song for the second season of the leftovers you guys watch that
2: no No. i don't remember there being a vocal theme
1: song there is second season beginning in the second season
2: oh maybe i didn't get that far
1: oh that's where it gets good yeah. check it out yeah. so lister uh, is, the other problem with craig bierko is that he's kind of a you know he's like a an alpha he's like kind of like a mm-hmm. kind of a confident jock type um whereas uh um lister kind of a slob kind of a schlub um,
0: well, they they tussled his hair. I don't know if you noticed that.
1: Yeah, he's uh, he's he's got a little bit of, f- of a five o'clock shadow. He's kind yeah. of like a Han Solo character.
0: Yeah, getting, well. Getting you know what I was yet. actually
2: thinking uh, He's not um Han Solo, but uh the outrageous O'Connor from uh Star Trek. You
1: know, the, uh, oh yeah, he actually looked has the same Solo, like outfit. Right? Yeah more or less yeah it seems to
2: be a kind of um staple of 80s and 90s lower budget sci-fi is that they kind of try and knock off han solo and just end up with these kind of samey looking guys
1: yeah you can't you can't just like redo han solo man
2: who who do you think you are jj abrams
1: (laughs) um yeah i guess like um what's his name uh poe dameron he's like an attempt at that, right? Uh maybe. When do we get another uh space balls? We're I mean like <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I, I hate know. you so much.
1: <laughs> Long overdue. I think they were going to make space balls what, 3 for yeah. the okay. um, So
0: So space balls. Of... in 2018 would have uh uh Chris Pratt and Jack Black yeah. and um uh, or no, all women's baseballs, so it could be it Oof, could have uh No.
1: Uh, uh, Don't uh you your, my overall. Still, Warrior agenda here. you could here.
2: Still, you can still have Chris Pratt in it as a Prince. As a Prince. Uh. What? <laughs> you know?
0: What you know uh, Chris Chris Pratt will play Prince, the musician. Yeah. No. Prince. Space That's Prince. A oh, God, no.
1: There is a Japanese uh, movie called Space Prince. I believe they covered it in Mystery Science Theory. Prince the of Space. Yeah. Space Prince, Prince. Prince. Prince of Space. Space Prince.
2: Shut up.
1: Um and also <laughs> Prince did the soundtrack for Batman nineteen eighty nine for some reason. But I mean Yeah. Huh. So why did we get on this subject?
0: Uh, I don't trying to it,
1: you'll eat it birko right um so yeah they, they, tall, they should man. do another space balls before uh mel brooks dies he,
2: he would be great as lone star except yeah. also he doesn't look like that anymore he's like in stuff now and he doesn't he doesn't even look the same in um 13th floor yeah i guess he's just like a chameleon
1: well i mean like he's got tussled hair and a five o'clock shadow as as we pointed out earlier um uh, I was also right. gonna drop the tidbit that uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights was made instead of a Spaceballs spe- sequel. So I'm
0: glad. Honestly, I like that movie better than Spaceballs. To be honest with you, honestly,
1: I think that if they did a Spaceballs sequel, it would have to have at least a hundred million dollar budget. Like you got to go all in. Maybe two hundred million dollar budget. Like, like just that do would, the the best destroy, possible special effects. That would
0: destroy Hollywood. <laughs> Like, Hollywood's economy would crater after that, <laughs> which is good. I mean, that's noble.
1: Yeah. We'd just start getting, like, movies out of, like, the Midwest. Mostly, oh, like, boy. Yeah, Christian get ready theme. for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these these oh, are movies later. now. So, yeah. So, Craig Bierko is um, David Lister. So, Rimmer is, like, I found to be kind of a non-entity in this. Yeah. You know, alone in that?
2: I, I found that as well. I think it's um, an issue with the script because there are missing scenes that you um, got in the British version that expanded Rimmer's role. But yeah, he he just doesn't make much of an impression here.
1: Yeah. And I think they improved his casting in the uh, second version um, mm. of the pilot, which uh, I don't even know if we mentioned that there are two pilots. Did we?
0: We did yeah, not. It's kind of like so... one and a half. Yeah so, uh, so, yeah. so they made, they made what, the initial pilot that, They made the initial pilot
1: um, Gumba what that, the fuck Gumbaa, Cody, was cle- Cody was clearly already talking I and had like, the Okay Cody finish your thought No Gumba
0: out of deference to you sir I want you to go ahead and say what you are going to say <laughs> Wouldn't that make <laughs> <laughs> to make it a co-pilot.
1: Oh, nice, <laughs> worth it. Okay, Cody, what were you saying?
0: Um. So, so it seems that they made that initial pilot, and then got some maybe not great responses to it, and they shelved it for a while, and then they tried to make a snappier. It's less of a pilot. It's more. It reminded me more of. Um, so, if, if you have mental illness and you collect VHS tapes, you find these things called screener copies, and they will have a pitch at the beginning of the tape that's not exactly a preview like you would see in front of a movie at the theater. It's more like a, hey, movie store owner, here's why you should buy this tape and rent it to your customers. So it seemed almost like the second pilot, quote unquote, was just this pitch video that they made to try to get the show picked up.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's more
0: like a commercial than an actual story.
1: Yeah. And this was, I think, driven by the studio too. Like they they were like, hey, let's give this, give this another shot. Like little bit more of a proof of concept um to show like where this can go a little bit more um so they, they basically borrowed set pieces from uh you know future episodes of um the uk red dwarf and recreated them uh in sort of little vignettes um and also recast the cat as a white woman terry farrell <laughs> uh, who later went on to be uh, uh, Jadzia Dax in Deep, uh, Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. Um, so more, okay, you're, you're, more you're not
0: joking. That's real. Like, yeah. she actually became Jadzia. Wow. Yeah, she went on Dax. to great things.
1: Yeah, did a lot better than Craig Bierko. <laughs> yeah, she went uh, on to uh,
0: Becca. So
2: she, uh, so she played the captain, right?
1: Yeah, but we're not. We're not there yet. We're not. We're we're, let's let's stick with the uh, first pilot just to keep things like in the right order, you know. I don't want to be like too anal, but <laughs> well, I got one for that too. So what? I got one for that too. So for, like for for my ass? What? Gumbo. Oh yeah, that, that, brother. Calm down.
2: But, but I meant I meant for the for the pilot
1: about the captain. Okay, well, so Rimmer um non-entity right
2: Yep. Yeah. um uh,
1: who played him
2: who cares i don't even know
1: yeah he was like he actually it was weird because there was another dead character um who was like on yeah. the, the bridge crew who clearly would have made a better rimmer. um oh you think so well low bar but i think so well, i think yeah.
2: it's I think it's um, common across uh, all three of the adaptations of this story that you have you you establish the fact that there are holograms in this universe before you you get Rimmer to be a hologram. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the novel, in in the original pilot, and with that guy with the line in this one, there's
0: there's like a guy who is like the hologram on the mm-hmm. ship. Yeah. Why do they? Why do they do that? You think are they worried that people won't won't understand? Yeah, you
2: know, it's just sets up like, like oh there are holograms when, and when he walks region. through a
0: table, like yeah. that's not enough. Like people well, can't. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, uh, mean, they have to explain fairly, it, to uh, The be
2: holograms fair. that the holograms are um based on the personalities of dead people.
1: Right. It's kind yeah, of so horrifying, they, uh...
0: honestly. Like, yeah, it's I actually it's uh. You can get it's, into the the Rocos basilisk conversation about that right Byron
1: um, have I talked are, about that before
0: are I'm, you familiar
1: I'm not, I th- it sounds familiar but I don't know maybe you could bring us into the, the loop I will give
0: the, you I will give you the elevator pitch of the rocos okay. basilisk so there was some message board uh, uh, is basically a bunch of uh, wannabe artificial intelligence researchers. Um, hobbyists at best. I mean, hangers on whatever, but they came up with the concept that there could be an AI that was so powerful that it could simulate you. So even if you died, it could recreate you. Mm. Yes. Oh, this is
2: what made um, uh, Grimes and Elon Musk fall in love, isn't it?
0: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Elon Musk uh, dropped acid and lost his mind about this. Um, (laughs) um, And then Grimes just appeared in a cloud of smoke in front of him and destroyed his life which is pretty awesome but uh so the idea is that if you don't worship this entity now it will recreate you and condemn you to eternal suffering in its simulation so these guys actually like a couple dudes actually just went nuts over this idea and kind of lost it
1: yeah hmm. it's pretty similar also to the concept that um like if you can simulate the universe you're probably living in a simulation sort of statistically that would you is it would you say it's in the same vein as that type of a thing oh yeah
0: yeah same ballpark for sure
1: yeah it's it's a little little out there um but i like it and i'm going to subscribe to it
2: it reminds me of the 1999 film the 13th floor (laughs) Mm. i forget what that's about
1: i definitely saw it i also had the poster for it hanging on my wall
2: it's it's about uh sim, you know simulations it's like crazy that came out the same year as the matrix and it's yeah there were know.
1: actually 3 virtual reality movies that year there was 13th floor matrix yeah. and existence all came out mm. at the same time and
0: cronenberg mm, mm.
1: yeah my favorite was existence
0: i just watched yeah. that a couple weeks ago
1: it's good i had the vhs actually
0: i do too i have it too <laughs> yeah.
1: i don't have it anymore <laughs>
0: Oh, I was going to say we could touch our copies together and yeah. maybe something would happen. We'd wake up.
1: Yeah. Could do like a like a sword fight.
0: <laughs> Switch sleeves.
1: So yeah, the concept is that you can upload somebody's consciousness into a computer and then uh, simulate them with a with a hologram. Um, it's hard to say whether that would be sort of the same person or not. I think there's wouldn't.
0: there's a there's a Philip K Dick novel called Ubik. And mm-hmm. the idea there is they kind of they kind of commercialize this, that your loved ones die, but they can preserve their consciousness for a limited amount of time. But it kind of comes in and out like a bad radio signal. So it's really kind of creepy. You're talking to like your dead relative ghost and you only have so many hours to do it. And you go yeah. to this weird, it's just, ugh, it's kind of chilling. It's like, yeah, would it be quite right? I don't think so, maybe.
1: Yeah, similar also premise in an episode of Black Mirror, with um, what's his name? He played a redhead guy. <laughs> this is helpful. Ah, that oh, that <laughs> one. No, oh, oh, just...
0: old boy, old boy from uh, Breaking Bad. Is that the one you're talking about?
1: um uh, no, but that sounds good too.
0: Yeah, they, where he's like putting them into his video game Star Trek fantasy.
1: Like, oh yeah, that that's thing. right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's um, I know him. He's also in Fargo.
0: We all we just want to talk about anything other than Red Dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. As regards uh,
2: the the question as it's addressed in Red Dwarf, they just entirely bunny hop over it. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just I for think, gags. Um, well, no, what so they, they do is what a... they do really quickly before we move on. Uh, they do make a good touching yourself joke because like, you can't touch anything but yourself, so they, they get some good mileage out of that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well they do the same exact joke twice in the mm-hmm. first and second um pilots. Uh and it's like kind of kind of weird on the retelling. Um so Well when you've
0: got gold like that you can't throw it out.
1: And that's definitely one of the jokes that was in the uh original UK also.
0: That's something I wanted to ask James, is is the UK one as raunchy as more. this pilot? Yeah. yeah, sure.
1: I think it's more raunchy.
0: Sign uh, me up. Possibly, yeah
1: yeah
0: heap on that raunch
1: pretty raunchy show i'd say Um, i didn't
0: expect that i didn't know anything about the show and i did not expect that
1: so that's rimmer uh like i think the problem here is that um sort of u.s sensibilities prevent us from having like a well um developed sort of like heel character um sort of we have these sort of Carbon copy cookie cutter asshole characters who are, who are fairly uh, thin, where mm. like uh, Rimmer is sort of has a lot of depth to him. Like he's a prick, but he's also very pathetic. He well, has a lot of self loathing. <laughs> um, am I off base here? Here's.
2: Uh, I'm not quite sure what. Like, can you um, <laughs> cite an example of the the. Paper thin prick character in um, US media.
1: Hmm. Probably should have thought of that before I <laughs> I'm sort of like riffing. So, like, can, can, maybe I can't. Um, um,
2: I know um, what they said in the documentary about it was that it doesn't work because uh, there's a class dynamic um, between Lister and Rimmer in, in the original, and America doesn't have a class system in the same way. Okay. Um, that's,
1: well, that's an interesting point, though. Because these dickhead characters are usually a sort of like the preppy frat boy, so there is a class dynamic uh yeah. it's just not a uh like a what is it it's like a they're not they're not like lords you know
2: yeah, it's like you 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 can't really imagine an American rimmer really wanting to be an officer and that right. just being the thing that drives him
1: yeah there's there isn't really uh like that's like like not something you hear that much about like. You hear about a lot, a lot about like like pro, army pride and people like joining the army and stuff. But you know you hear about like that. People that many people in the U.S. really want to be like commanding officers, in the U.S. Army. It's kind of weird. Mm. Presumably, there are they, those people exist, right?
0: Yeah, I think in, in families where there's a long history of being in the military, that becomes a thing. But
1: yeah, they'll go to the, like West Point. Yeah, and they're they're Looks they're like, almost you know, like I want to
0: be. I want to be an elite seal or I've known a few here in Indiana. I've known quite a few families like that where it's kind of romanticized within the culture of the family.
1: Yeah. I I guess I'm just thinking just in terms of the propaganda you always get. Yeah.
0: No, I think, I think for the most part, like any of my schlubby friends that would want to join the military are just like, no, I'm just doing it as a way to get to college or just to get a career. It's a a job.
1: It's a job that you can get uh, fairly easily. Um,
0: There's always a little bit of cynicism or distance about it.
1: Yeah. Should we move on to Crichton? Sure. So a big difference between US pilot and UK series is that Crichton uh, is in the first episode. It's the, shoehorned in. Yeah. He's sort of like just there. Um, yeah. <laughs> he has a spare head. Um, he runs into... Dave Lister and they become fast friends Hmm. just like they're just buddies now
2: yeah I think um he while he has some great lines in the pilot uh it's clear that there needed to be some more like polishing on like why is he here and what's he doing here because like he, he really does feel shoehorned in it's like oh and now we introduce the robot who you all know and love
1: yeah And we should say also, I think this was already mentioned, but this is uh, Robert Llewellyn again. Uh, Yeah. The only uh, actor who reprised his uh, role from the British series. Um,
2: Yeah. Crichton Crichton was
0: introduced before Rimmer and Lister.
1: Yes, that's true. Yeah, you're right. So that maybe that's like a deliberate like sort of since he's it's like a meta thing but like he's he's the only yeah. he, he's a uk representative so it's like a passing of the torch kind of thing
2: yeah presumably that's what it is
0: so if you were if you were casting Crichton for the 2018 red dwarf who, who would you go for doug jones who
1: who's doug Byron, jones am i off base wait that's
2: saru from oh Dutcher. yeah
1: hell, hell yeah doug jones he would played um uh the fish man in hellboy
2: oh uh, fish man in the shape of water
1: <laughs> played two different fish men two different okay fish so man he movies.
0: He's, he gets typecast as as a fish boy
1: he gets typecast as like long creatures <laughs> <laughs> he was the thing with like eyes on his hands and pants was in he drink. one of
0: the was he one of the aliens in the senate and the star wars prequels
1: probably I think he was I don't in. a he was
0: been in a Star Wars. That,
1: that, that seems like a waste. Get him in a Star War, baby.
2: Um, find a Star uh, War, drop him in. Must man. be coming up. What? They must be coming up on that. You know, like you know, they go through the celebrities. Like they had Mads Mickelson in one. Yeah. Presumably um, Benedict Cumberbatch will be in one.
1: He could play a Mun. <laughs>
2: yeah, he could. I guess. Or is it? A Moon. I, you know, I don't think they ever say um, that on screen, so uh, you, know, you can just go with whatever. Come back. You know who cast who, you know who, who as Crichton? Who? Huh. Who's that? Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, hmm. there we go. Yeah, yeah. baby. <laughs> she's she's, the, she's uh, proven that she can play an android already.
1: She's proven that she can play an Asian and a yep. trans person. She yeah. can do all the the range the on roles. this lady i yeah. I
0: swear something to see i think i would cast um robin williams but in bicentennial man like recreate that with cg technology
1: yeah that's worth worth the cash iconic you're
0: gonna see a lot of you're gonna see a lot of roi on that go ahead and license that from dreamworks or whoever i would
1: i would cast robin williams but from uh what dreams may come
0: i'm sorry to tell you this guys but robin <laughs> williams died okay james listen we're going to cg scan his corpse mm-hmm. and then animate it probably with like andy circus or someone who can do some mocap for us
1: mm-hmm.
0: And, mm-hmm. and then we're going to have Crichton as robin williams from good morning vietnam
1: <laughs> that may be what you do i'm going to have the dizzy imagineers make an animatronic Ooh. Mm.
2: the hall of presidents yeah it just feels a little more real if you have the physical presence yeah of the puppet
1: the puppet yeah so um that's Crichton. uh so rimmer um smuggles the cat on board suspended animation so we here we get an introduction of the cat right actually we didn't talk about holly yet which is yeah, really yeah. bearing the lead here we give uh she's
0: kind of kind of my favorite uh favorite aspect at least of that first that first pilot
1: right and she's played famously by yep. daphne moon from fraser daphne from fraser yeah she does a great SD job leaves yeah
0: she has well, a scene once the radiation leak has happened and the three million years have passed she's got a Probably the only thing that made me laugh like out loud was when the sparks stuff start going off and she's like, Oh, that one felt good. Like, like <laughs> her voice good. drops her voice drops three or four octaves for that. It's like <laughs> that's yeah, she, pretty she's funny. A,
1: she's a good actress, I think. The we didn't talk about Holly at all in the British version, but it's played by two different actors. Um the yeah. first is a kind of a bald man whose character yeah. whose actor name is Norman Lovett. Norman Lovett. It. Uh I never um, really cared it, for that Holly, to be honest with you. Oh yeah? I I uh didn't find him very funny. Uh that might be just me. But um It's
2: um it's clearly like a Hal nine thousand uh take. So like that was obviously like a very kind of soft spoken Canadian man, I think. So they kinda got a sort of deadpan, um, you know, bald guy.
1: It's like it's like there, was some, there was something a little bit off about his delivery, but it might just be like—I
2: mean, I mean—the bored indifference is is something archetypal British.
1: Yeah, right, right. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, that's not what it is. It's something else. Something's off. Um. Then later, Holly was played by a woman named Hattie Hayridge. Hattie Hayridge. Uh, I liked her better. I didn't know these would be such hot takes. Um, so we sort of split the difference. And I say that because Hattie Ray- Hayridge played a blonde Holly, and um, the other one was, was brown-haired. So now we have a woman, but she's brown-haired in um, Jane Leaves.
0: Basically, there's two types of people. You're either a blonde woman or you have brown hair. and um, Or both. And they-
2: And they've kept her with a British accent. Yeah. That's like an essential uh, feature of the
0: character. Yeah. I think that works for a computer. I think Americans would, it's either a supervillain or some sort of artificial intelligence. We're like, yeah, British people sound smart, kind of. So does Jane Leaves
2: put on the Cockney for Frasier or is she like turning it off for Holly?
1: i think she puts like, it on her
2: actual she puts it on
1: because she was also in um an episode of seinfeld she played the virgin famously Uh-huh. um i forget if she had the cockney in that at this point now so it's kind of a bad point i'm making <laughs> just don't know um so daphne daphne moon was famously um a physical therapist for uh fraser's dad marty no just kidding we're not gonna start talking about fraser now uh i don't know why she lived with them that's weird
2: that was that was weird i thought she was like a um a uh, like a live-in what do you what do you call that a maid
1: a maid well she does do maid stuff too so and it's also she's like constantly sexually harassed by niles crane
2: yeah real, real creepy
1: Yeah, in hindsight.
2: Inappropriate.
1: Vastly. Um, Ironically, um, Niles is gay in real life, so he would not be interested. (laughs) This is ironic? It's perfect irony. Yeah. David Hyde Pierce. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's um, Holly. Now we get the cat who plays the cat in the US version?
2: Hinton Battle. So another like musical theater uh alum. Yeah. Um I don't think uh he sells it really well.
1: He played the scarecrow in the stage version of The Wiz. Yeah. Do you have The Wiz on VHS, Cody?
0: i do not yet yet but if i see it you best believe that'll be a
1: purchase yeah that's a get um so yeah hinton Hinton battles battle um yeah he's he's very he's very similar like it was i think it was sort of good casting he doesn't really act as much like a cat just in sort of demeanor as uh as the UK cat, does he? Like he does cat activities. Mm. He plays with a string, but he doesn't look at all like a cat.
2: Yeah, no. I, yeah, I think you know they just kind of translated the the character across. So it, he's just kind of doing a a Danny John Jules impression. But I, yeah, it it doesn't work for me. Like it's not really funny, and it doesn't really make sense.
1: He probably would have grown into the role.
2: That's that's entirely possible, yeah, because actually um, that was the case with Red Dwarf as well. You watch those early seasons, and it's it's a little bit rocky, but they really do grow into it.
1: Yeah, that's true of most shows, in fact. But In I, fact, yes. I think another lead that I buried is that I did not think this was bad at all. I thought it was pretty good.
0: Hmm. <laughs>
2: I yeah.
1: Like I think it definitely had problems, but I'm saying this in the context of that like there was room to grow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it definitely could have developed into something good if they'd given it a chance. And it, the thing is apparently it was well received by test audiences and um yeah. the network, I think it was for CBS uh just kind and of mocked NBC. Balked NBC. And they they kind of choked and decided that it was like too weird or something.
2: Hmm. Not a lot of imagination back then, huh?
1: Yeah. So the cat was introduced with like a uh, an animation. It kind of reminded me of the animation they did in Jurassic Park to introduce <laughs> like the dino cloning. Hmm. Um, they just demonstrated how many generations of cat would have been born um, within the three million year time span how they might have evolved um is this a uh tenable sort of uh biological premise uh
2: entirely not because consider for one thing if uh the species that evolved in the cargo hold they would not have sunlight and therefore their skin would be like milky white
1: Ooh, that's a good uh headcanon
2: <laughs> are, you, are you accusing me of whitewashing in my <laughs> in my head canon?
1: it seems to be yeah a little bit um
2: mm-hmm. and then there's also the question of like why would you avoid why would you evolve a specifically like human
1: frame right um, yeah there's it's sort of based on a misunderstanding of evolution to that yeah. basically everybody every species would converge on this body plan essentially yeah
2: well, like, oh, they're evolving in an environment designed for humans, so they, you know, humans are, like, well-adapted for those environments, and so you would be predisposed to evolve in that direction. But then also, it's the cargo hold and, like, you know. But the, the reality is you've got to get a human to play them, and you yeah. probably don't want to be sticking prosthetics on them all day, so. Yeah. They would
1: do that Just go with it. in this day and age, but... um uh... But yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the cat. Um, and then, is that everyone? Uh,
2: there's the, the Scudders.
1: Scudders? Yeah, they get a little rolling drop. robots. Um, n- never found them funny.
2: I like when they um, do the close ups of them and it's a puppet and the puppet will make rude gestures. <laughs>
1: And then there's, like, uproarious laughter from the uh, <laughs> studio audience. <laughs> Just so, so funny.
2: Yeah.
1: Actually, yeah, I, really... I, Sorry, go ahead.
2: I do feel that... Um, like, I have very fond memories of Red Dwarf. I haven't seen a lot of the... Um, well, a lot of any of it for a long time. I, I do feel that probably um, the, the rose-tinted spectacles would be uh removed if i were to watch it again
1: i think the the wit is still there for the most part yeah. and a lot of it is like in the the comic acting and the delivery and so on so i think that's that stuff definitely holds up um the rest of it is sort of like uh i mean it's like watching old like doctor who like it's uh it's not convincing but it's cute Mm-hmm. um so, what did we establish in the premiere episode
2: the, uh, in the u k version
1: in the in both i think they're pretty they end up on a similar note right um
2: yeah it's um three million years in the future you know one would feel that three million years would lead to a little bit more decay on the ship whereas everything's pretty much just exactly as it was left
1: yeah We felt that also but is I it possible they're just dead. the decay would be caused by like on earth would be caused by like microbial life that isn't present on the ship yeah because it would have been wiped out
2: by the, the cadmium but what about like rust or like
1: well, what would cause the rust the exposure to oxygen
2: yeah, and there's oxygen on the ship, and uh, like fabric and yeah. other materials would break down over time. Yeah, it's true.
1: Well, it's fucked up. They got it wrong.
2: Doesn't stack up.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, let's cancel the podcast. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. I didn't. Um.
2: I didn't actually take many notes. Uh. On the on the app ep- because like there's there's just not not all that much to the pilot.
1: It sets up the series, pretty much. Um, Yeah. There's this scene at the end where um, the whole gang uh, kind of teleports into the room from the future, tries to give a message, but then uh, isn't able to. That happens in the UK pilot also. Yeah,
2: I'm, I'm not sure that that happens in the pilot, but it does happen in the first season.
1: Yeah. I remember it's like kind of a, kind of a corny line from Lister. From like I just like I don't know what that meant, but I can't wait to find out. like oh
2: yeah, and it turns out that like he gets pregnant <laughs> and gives birth to twins.
1: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he gets pregnant.
2: Yep. Um. um. So I guess uh, we could discuss the like resentment that is clearly on display from the British cast, um, with regards to the attempt to kinda like sneak in this US version. Uh in in the documentaries it's it's like clear that there is like a bit of ill will uh harboured from what went on back
1: then. Like a- have uh, you watched the documentaries at all? I have not. It would have been a good way to prepare for this, but alas, <laughs> I'm not very good at this. So, so um, like, why, what would be the uh, the source of that ill will?
2: Uh, well, uh, Craig Charles points out that uh, if the US show had been picked up, then that would have meant that Red Dwarf UK wouldn't have gotten a sixth season and then they would have all been out of a job.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, why would it mean that, though? It's like two different studios producing it.
2: Uh, yeah, but like if Doug Naylor goes to work on the British show and Robert Llewellyn's gone as well, then, Ooh, yeah. you know, maybe mm. they would just, yep. you know, it. Well, it's petty. Um, petty. Right. Um, and both uh, Craig Charles and Danny John Jules do uh, kind of seem to object to the, the whitewashing aspects
1: yeah, which as they should. Um, I mean, one of the interesting things about the uh, really both series until you get to the second version in the US is that the entire cast is men, which is well, I guess other than Holly, so never mind. In the uh, UK okay. one, everybody's men. like the cat's a man, rumors a man, Lister's a man, Holly's a man, mm-hmm. Crichton's a man. It's weird. there's only men, right? So yeah. that brings us to the and second yeah. pilot where they seem to have deliberately tried to correct for this by making the cat a woman, mm-hmm. a white woman. Terry Farrell.
2: Uh, and she, she doesn't really get much to do.
1: They uh, totally change the character. They make her like yeah. very aggressive. Uh, yeah. Like, like really leaning into the cat's cat's tendencies to like, kill things like small animals um and fuck things kill and fuck yeah kill and fuck so that like might have been good as like another cat character where you're emphasizing other cat traits but like the uk cat version of the cat is very very much leans into like the vanity of cats and Mm -hmm. like sort of the uh the the um narcissism
2: selfishness yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, <laughs> is this podcast like petering out
2: <laughs> I think it might be we've um, we've <laughs> lost like yeah. our other two um...
1: yeah what happened to uh, Cody and uh, the other one you guys still there
2: I think they might have died
1: really let's see oh wait there's a message oh Cody says be back goods dudes sorry Huh. I didn't even know. It's a BRB. Hmm. Right. Have you seen the... Oh, and Gumba's uh, muted. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is like the most, like, petering out of a podcast I've ever experienced. Just, <laughs> it's just sort of like... I'm still listening. Just kind of winding down. <laughs> like, without <laughs> being done. With the discussion. <laughs> That's fine. It's like, Have it's you kind seen of funny. any
2: of the uh, revived Red Dwarf?
1: I haven't is it bad
2: i've seen a little bit of it it's it's kind of just like you know red dwarfs back and it's about as good as it ever was
1: yeah i find uh like when these shows come back after a long time they become a little bit too self-referential and it's really like no longer about the original premise uh, yeah but more about like the gang's back all your fan favorites um I don't know if that's the case in this version because I haven't seen it. Wouldn't be fair to uh, make that characterization. Do hmm. Uh, hmm. you think anyone's uh, still listening?
2: Uh, I- I'm barely listening. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. If you want to look Maybe we can just wrap it up. So the second pilot, okay. we get a few set pieces. Um, we get the scene where Lister and Rimmer are stranded on a, a nice world. Um, like I said, we get a second version of Rimmer, uh, who I thought was better. Uh, do you agree, James?
2: Yeah. I actually didn't realize it was two different uh, guys, which might be partially due to the fact that the, the YouTube versions are like really low quality VHS grips. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I from what I can tell, it seems like second Rimmer is like, funnier and kind
1: of has he doesn't have more
2: to say because the the thing is like half as long but you know
1: a little more potential leaves more of an impression yeah so we also got a scene um what else did we see the
2: well you had the the one from marooned which is um uh, a really good episode of season three in the uk version where lister and Rimmer get marooned and um uh someone burns someone else's Lister burns Rimmer's camphor wood um chest, his like beloved thing, because like he wants to stay alive. Yeah. Um uh, and then he like lies and says it was his guitar, but we don't get any of that in, in this uh bit. Instead they they do the the bit where Rimmer tells well, where they tell each other how they lost their virginities.
1: Yeah, that's right. uh, Which I
2: think is just um, beat for beat, the same.
1: Yeah, it's the exact same scene. That's all of those new scenes. I forget what else they borrowed, but they were basically like, let's just take some of these examples of future moments and recreate them with our actors, uh, just to give you an idea, a taste. What's to come? And it never came. You can never taste the come. What came? (laughs) Gumbo, you know you're muted, right? He's he's gone. Okay. All right. Anything else, James? Maybe we should wrap this up.
2: Um, that's uh, everything that I've I've noted down here. Uh... Okay.
1: It's like one of my least successful podcasts, I think. We I had some good stuff at the top. Yeah. I think I spent a little bit too I... long on the character intros.
2: Hey, maybe. I was thinking I would um maybe start reading the books in preparation for this so that I could have something like informative to say about that, but I, yeah. I didn't.
1: You know, if you do read the books again, I suggest when you picture Rimmer, picture Hugh Grant.
2: Picture a Hugh Grant type yeah. Did you know that um uh that was actually a uh, when Doug Naylor was shopping around the movie, trying to make the movie, um, people were getting at him to be like, Hey, why don't you recast it with movie stars? Mm-hmm. And someone said, Hey, what about Hugh
1: Grant for Lister? <laughs> Come on. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and then,
2: you know, he walked out.
1: It's ridiculous. Lister. They kept saying, like, for the U.S. version, like, more of a John Belushi type would have been better for Lister. I found that to be kind of like a uh, ridiculous statement since he was had already been dead for, like, almost 10 years. Yeah. Um, and it's not like that's, like, a stock, like, uh, actor type. You could You could have probably been a lot more creative with it with, like, contemporary actors, but I don't know.
2: Hey, you know, ain't nothing wrong with having a handsome guy, but um, like like they said in the documentary, you you do have to tweak the character if you're gonna be making him a handsome guy.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's a Red Dwarf, I guess. That's Red Dwarf. <laughs> I mean, we never even talked about the UK theme song, but I thought it was kind of ridiculous. Uh, it's like, um, yeah, when. Fun in the sun. Uh,
2: when howard goodall played the demo for the producers they were like right so that's like placeholder lyrics right you'll you'll like write something else and it's like no. No, no 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 that's it that's the that's that's the final thing
1: that's the final song they didn't carry that over to the us version uh there was no big... instead sorry go ahead
2: the the music is dreadful
1: yeah it's horrible there's a, an opening crawl at the beginning that I didn't le- read. I'm not sure what it would have said.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a gag from, I think, Season 3 as well. Um, it's just that they have a Star Wars opening crawl and it goes yeah. too fast for you to be able to read. And if you pause it, then it says things like, oh, no, this is going too fast. And you're worried that you might miss something important.
1: Yeah, but you're not missing anything. I think that would have been a bad way to start the series because people would have been worried about that and you know that's a genuine problem a, a bit of a lame
2: gag maybe yeah. it was fresher in 1992 or whenever this was
1: but even still this is like confusing um uh, all right well thanks guys for uh joining this discussion uh, i think we have half of a good podcast here welcome. um uh hey man i'm cody fig yeah i think you know uh you're welcome. <laughs> Hello, I'm Gumba Master, and uh, I uh, appreciate the opportunity to be here. Uh, goodbye. Yeah, goodbye, Gumba. Uh, James, you know? <laughs> <laughs> any closing words?
2: Um, uh, the show Bad. Watch UK version.
1: Yeah. I thought it was like, Okay. Compared to some of the other stuff we've watched for this show, but
2: um, it's better than Puczynski
1: Better than Puchinski. Uh Not better than Night Court, certainly.
2: Well, the, um, this was the showrunner of Night Court, I think. Really?
1: Huh. Yeah. Tie-in. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Thanks, guys. Uh, we'll catch you next time on DVD. Wrong. Everybody is worrying about where they're gonna go when the whole thing's done. But no one knows for certain, and so it's all the same to me. Think out, yes, let the mystery be. Some say once you're gone, you're gone forever, and some say you're gonna come back. yeah